Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Little. Hopefully everybody had a wonderful Easter holiday. As we take a look at markets coming off a three-day weekend and a little bit of interesting reaction. Of course, we saw the nearby corn have its struggles and, and the wheat out of Kansas City as well. But we saw some good news, new contract highs in the cattle market. And of course, what are we doing with livestock and feed prices? Just a few of the things that we're going to talk about today is Mike Zuzolo joins us. He is with Global Commodity Analytics. And first of all, happy Easter Monday to you, Mike, and your family. You too. I hope you and all the listeners had a blessed one. It was hard to get back to work on Sunday night. I think some of us decided maybe not to do it after all. Yeah, exactly. As, as we reminded folks, markets were open last night into the day trade, and it looked like it was kind of a carbon copy. Let's look at this corn market to start out with. Uh, nearbys, the corn has seen some definite struggles today in the trade. What was the factor we could not get that into the positive? I think there were several things. I think there was a couple things in particular that are worth noting, Susan, especially given that we're going to get our first national report today from USDA since last fall, which is going to include the wheat conditions and corn and spring wheat planting. Trade estimates from uh, Reuters, Refinitiv is putting corn planting at 3%. That's going to come out here in a little bit. But I think with that in mind, I think the USDA WASDE report jitters are already starting to show up in terms of what the corn old crop stocks are because the for the most part the stocks report for the corn was kind of a no-show it just met the trade expectations and i think when you combine that with the fact that the managed money funds are net long almost four hundred thousand contracts of futures and options i think you really have to realize that is um, one of the biggest uh, pieces of uh, net long uh, positioning since going all the way back to 2011, 2010 time period, even greater than where we were back in the 2012 time period. So I think we had a situation where coming back from the Easter holiday with a, a kind of the two reports bookending us in the front end, the, the stocks report last week and the WASDE report this week, I think some of the funds are wanting to take some profit off the table. And I think specifically they're wanting to unwind long corn short wheat positions, which for me, and what I'm talking about client to clients and subscribers, uh, like on tonight's video that I'll do, I'm going to really focus on this next two to three weeks, the wheat and corn spread, because we're going into that harvest in the winter wheat time period here that we're entering. And we really do need the wheat as a supportive feature, especially if USDA doesn't give us any kind of uh, supply and production cutback when it comes to Argentine corn and Argentine uh, Brazilian corn production, I should say. Now, my understanding with this USDA report that comes out today, it's just going to be more of a focus on where we are crop condition-wise for wheat. It's not going to share much information about corn planting in the south yet, is it? I don't know if it will or not, but the, the trade is expecting a 3% planting number for corn and a 2% planting number for the uh, spring wheat uh, on the uh, news wires earlier today. So the trade thinks that there's going to be some um, spring crop uh, progress numbers that are going to be posted today. We'll have to see. The corn uh, planting and spring wheat planting numbers compares to a winter wheat progress number expected to be about 53% good to excellent. And that's um, probably going to be up a little bit from last year at this time. And I think it's uh, going to compare to 46%, I believe, was the good to excellent rating when we went into the wintertime, that last fall report that USDA gave us. You and I were talking earlier today with the wheat market, and there's been a lot of rumors floating around on a Monday that maybe it was China back in the marketplace. 
Yeah, and this is where the European markets have been kind of the leader to the downside when it comes to the price in Chicago, especially given the strengthening dollar and the resurging dollar. Well, we saw the opposite of that today. We actually saw the dollar weaken pretty dramatically and and, uh, futures markets and, and prices like in Russia actually found some stability after having fallen about $12 last week. So if you look at the world wheat price compared to the United States, it would make sense that someone in Asia probably is looking to book our wheat um, because they are, we're still facing backlogs out of the Suez Canal. So probably knocks out maybe the Europeans just because of that, but also because our prices drop so much. And, and if we get a boost from an increased buying power from the dollar weakening here this week, we could maybe look forward to more purchases. And I'm not sure if we'll get much uh, when it comes to Egypt or uh, some other Middle Eastern country, but it does seem like Asia may be in prime position to take on some of our wheat, which that would be extra extra special to me because Australia has been really shipping a lot of bushels of wheat to China in the past couple, three months or since their harvest. South American weather continues to take a forefront again as dryness moves in affecting their crop. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at the maps uh, before we came on air, looking at some of the more sensitive information that I get from uh, clients or, excuse me, from uh, colleagues in uh, Chicago and elsewhere. And and it it looks to me that the next 6 to 10-day outlook, especially in some key safrina corn-growing areas of Brazil, are going to see below normal rainfall. It really makes me wonder whether the La Nina is not coming back in and inserting and reasserting itself kind of like it was before the month of February and and, uh, and especially as we got into March. So I'm, I'm wondering whether we're not going to be in a drier bias in a very bad time period because the soybean harvest in Brazil is at 78%. Safrina corn uh, har- uh, planting is just now finishing up, and it's running about 10 to 12, maybe even 20 days later than normal in some areas. So turning hotter and drier on a late-planted safrina corn crop is kind of the worst-case scenario for potential yields being where USDA wants them to be. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the trade still thinking that we could get anywhere from a 105 to a 110 million metric ton Brazilian corn crop. And I think I'm closer to that lower number, closer to the 107 area. So I think this is where the April WASDE report could provide some uh, illumination as far as whether we've taken another hit in Argentina. Folks, we've got a lot more coming up. It is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing this conversation with Mike Zuzalo. He is with Global Commodity Analytics and kind of been talking about what's happening on the uh, grain side of it, but it does lead into my first question, Mike, and that's livestock and feed prices. I'd read an article earlier today that was talking about some concerns, especially after last week's USDA reports. Yeah, I mean, I think the acreage base is probably going to go up a little bit in both corn and beans. But, Susan, you and I have been around long enough to know that it's really going to be based upon Mother Nature as far as whether we get a decent increase from that acreage base that USDA gave us on corn and beans. I'm really eager, and I think I talked to Clay or you about this on our last final bell, Um, I'm really eager to get some new crop corn locked in for feeders. I think there's a lot of work to be done for the feeder cattle hedger, both in terms of locking in the sell side of the the May and June fats, 
or excuse me, the May and June feeder hedges on the shorts, and also getting you know our feed needs locked in as well for new crop corn. So I'm really looking closely that gap in December corn to the downside of 477 and a half. I think that's going to be a point where I make a recommendation to clients and subscribers to get some needs locked in uh, using December calls or call verticals or even maybe some futures positions in the near term, uh, especially after the WASD report this week. And, and if we go below that gap, uh, maybe get more confident that we can do some more futures-related positions. So this is probably a, a, a week or in the next 10 days a really key point and um, very timely thing that you brought up. Excitement can build because we can say growing season is officially here. Yeah, and this is where it goes back to we really do have to realize that the, the new contract highs in Deese corn have been made. It's hard to buy a bulge, but by the same token, those acreage numbers really do promote an idea that, and especially given that four of the top five states in the uh, report on the acreage report in particular saw um, acres go down, it's going to be extremely difficult to reach USDA's 179.5 national yield when the top four out of five states are actually seeing an acreage drop. So this is a real key for a statistician, uh, and I think it's really important to watch. So, yeah, it may look like you're buying a bulge at these prices, but if you fill a gap and then you turn off wet and, and corn can't get planted, that's going to be an indication to the market that maybe they've got it wrong by, you know, taking November beans so high in relation to December corn, which they've kept that ratio elevated very substantially and at near historic levels even since that last report. Any indications um, that when we see these cash numbers, some early bids coming in from cattle on a Monday, does that set a positive tone for the week? I think it does, and I think the equities do too. I think those are two, I think, significant tailwinds that you want to ride for a time. I still have... Um, you know, using a football analogy, I think we're uh, past the 50-yard the line as far as getting close to that next hedge. In fat cattle, in feeders, though, I think we're in the red zone. I think we're really close to it. And I say that because we've had moderate to good demand on the last Oklahoma City feeder auction numbers, 2 to $3 higher, uh, 784 to 820 weights went at about 140 on an average price. And yet you've got May feeders close to closing in on $152. So you're looking at a March 30th high as your next resistance in May feeders of about 153.50. I think if you get up to that level and punch through it, you start scale up selling because you've got such a premium in the futures compared to the cash index and the cash market. I'll throw one other thing back at at the producer too and the ranchers. What we just got done talking about when it comes to the corn. Remember that the feeders have been brought low because of the corn rally and that corn feeder spread. We're unwinding that now. I think that could be, though, something that really works against us again if we have any hint of weather issues for corn planting. What about the struggle for the hogs? I mean, today was not a pretty day. No, it wasn't. But, you know, they were due to have some um, profit-taking, especially given the, the weekly export sales report. And, you know, China did announce another African swine fever outbreak in their far northern provinces. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't a big number, but just the fact that they're getting new ones. I'm not real nervous about the hogs 
breaking hard until we get the April to go off the board. I think that's where you lose kind of your rocket fuel to the upside, and you kind of got to feed the bull after that because April's done an unbelievable job of, of leading this market higher, thanks especially to the cash price. But that post-Easter seasonal is now upon us. Summer grilling season typically does favor the beef sector, and I think with the cattle hog spread where it's at, I think your point's really well taken that you want to keep one eye on the hogs here, especially within the next couple weeks when that April goes off the board. All right. Anything else on this livestock we need to keep an eye out for this week, Mike? I would say that you have a real issue um, with the uh, with the weather coming in terms of, of feeding and being able to keep your weights up if you turn off hot and dry. I don't think that's out of the picture yet, even though maybe the trade has kind of uh, forgotten or lost sight of that, Susan. So I am still in the background not wanting to hedge too far out because I want to be pretty much um, open on my sales. All right, sounds good, Mike. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. Globalcomresearch.com. Sign up for a trial and get all the information for a couple weeks, and I'll call you once and see if you like what you saw and see if we can't sign you up. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.